our first text will be taken from 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. And I'll read from the verse number 7. 1 Kings 17 from verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town, the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jar. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will never be used up and the jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sent rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. 16. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jar of oil did not run dry in keeping with the Lord, the word of the Lord, spoken by Elijah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, the second one is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Can we all read that one together? All right, so we'll be going straight to the word of the Lord. Okay. We are blessed to have um, one of our pastors uh, to minister the word of God to us in the person of Reverend Dr. Charles Yabois. Uh, let's give the Lord a hand. Uh, he will be giving us the word of God this morning. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Thank you. Thank you for preparing our hearts for today's message. I thank God for the opportunity to hear his word proclaimed today. And I'd like to thank Reverend Dr. Digby and Reverend Washington Dacker for this honor. I don't take this opportunity to speak at all for granted. Last Sunday, I spoke and led a Grace Baptist Church Kumasi during the annual Thanksgiving service, during which time on just one Sunday, that Sunday, the church raised 1.134 out of a target of 1.2 million 
Uh, and I'm sure today they probably will reach the target of 1.2 million. My prayer is that God today too will speak to us, that he will give us a good word, an encouraging message to prepare us for the ongoing fundraising that the church has been embarking on for some time. And not just that, but also to influence how we give weekly in our offering and in our tithes. And not just that. But you know, this Christmas season is also a season of giving. A story is told of a pig and a chicken that went to church and heard the pastor was going to celebrate his birthday. Each offered to donate towards the birthday. The chicken offered to donate eggs and asked the pig to give bacon so that the pastor will have a good breakfast. The pig looked at the chicken and said, do you understand what you are saying? To you, an egg is just an offering. To me, bacon is a total sacrifice. This morning, we're going to hear a sermon about a man who, when asked by God to give, didn't give just an offering, but give a total sacrifice. If you have your scriptures with me, would you please turn with me, not to the passage that was read, but to Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 18. If you would please turn there with me. So we read, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mount I will show you. The scripture says, on the third verse, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the, and, and the knife. As the two of them went on together... Isaac spoke up and said, Father Abraham, yes, my son, he replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told me about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know, Abraham, that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his stones. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. 
So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sun on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I'm speaking on the theme, Abraham, our example in sacrificial giving. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you bless the reading and the proclamation of your word. We pray, O oh God, that your word will stir within us a response that will affect how we give unto you and how we give to others. May your word today be fulfilled. We have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but every time I read a passage about Abraham and Isaac, I get goosebumps. In fact, I believe there was a time, a single time in the history of the world that God, as a non-human, got goosebumps. I think it was that day. The sheer and unrelenting commitment of Abraham to go all out and sacrifice Isaac, whom he had longed for, the heir, the promised son, and his willingness to let him go, I think God, nothing surprises God, right? But I think that day, God probably was surprised. And, and we see that echoed in the passage when the angel of the Lord called out from heaven. Unbelievable expression of sacrificial given. We'll try and break down the test, and there's so much there that we can't make, you know, all the, the sense out of it, because our time is short. But I'll give you some historical context so that you appreciate this better. Abraham's story begins with his call when his name was Abraham. God had told him, get out of your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Abraham was 75 years old at that time of his departure from Haran. He was married to Sarah. But they had no children, and at their age, they had no reason, except God's promise that he would make Abraham's great nation, to believe that they would ever have a child. Later, God said, after these things, the word of Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me since I'm childless? And he who will inherit, and he who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. God responded, this man will not be your hair, but he will come out of your own body. And he will be your hair. And God took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them, he said, so shall your seed be. 
That promise was very specific, wasn't it? Abraham would have a child, a legitimate heir to his promise and all the blessings that God had given him. The scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But Sarah in anguish because he had been unable to bear children of God told Abraham to go to her slave girl. We know that story that is very disturbing when you are reading about Abraham, the man of faith. For Abraham to go and have an affair with Hagar and bear him a child. She had grown weary of waiting for God to keep his promise to Abraham and felt a need to take matters in her own hands. You know, sometimes we do that, don't we? Abraham did as asked, and Hagar conceived a child. Hagar then began to look with contempt on Sarah, who responded by complaining bitterly to Abraham. Chapter 16, Abraham gave Sarah permission to do as she would with Hagar. Sarah acted so harshly that Hagar ran away into the wilderness. And we know an angel found her and told her that she would bear a son who would have so many descendants. You know the person I'm talking about, Ishmael. Abraham was 86 at that time. In chapter 17, God made a covenant with Abraham, reaffirming the promises that there will be a child born to him. In chapter 18, God promised Abraham and Sarah that they will have a son. And Sarah, as we know from scriptures, laughed. Chapter 19 tells the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and 20 tells of Abraham's shameful behavior at Gerah. We know the story. Then chapter 21 tells the story of Isaac's birth. Finally, finally, the promise has been fulfilled. And surely, we know probably the happiest time that Abraham and Sarah had. You know, we know, especially if you are from our kind of traditions in this country, that you can have everything, but if you don't have a child, you know what it feels like, right? And what people think about you. And some of us, when we get to that point, you have your own child, you know how joyful it can be. And so finally, the promise has been fulfilled. Isaac has been born. But it wasn't just there. Then the story could get tense sour when Sarah becomes angry with Ishmael and says that Ishmael will not have a share in the promise or in the inheritance. She puts pressure on Abraham to expel Hagar and Ishmael from their camp. Abraham distressed at the prospect. God tells him to do what Sarah was saying. So he sends Hagar and Ishmael into the wilderness with minimal provision. And we know what happened. God had to appear to Hagar and promise him that his son Ishmael will also be great. So the passage that begins with some time later, this is a reference to all of what I have tried to paint. And you know the story very well, I'm sure. It refers to whatever that I've referred to. But the immediate transition period to this passage occurs after Ishmael and Hagar had left the household. So now, Abraham indeed had just one and only son. Of course, we know Abraham had Ishmael. But by the time God comes to Abraham and asks him to sacrifice Isaac, there was only one son in the household. And not just one son. He was the son of the promise. The heir that God had promised 
many, many years ago that Abraham and Sarah had had to wait. Now take your son, your only son, whom you love, even Isaac, to Moriah. So, progression. Your son, general reference to the other progression. Or I must say the, the, general, the, the most general of the three phrases that God uses. Your only son, much more personal now. And attests to the special relationship that Abraham had with his son Isaac. Whom you love. is the first of the phrases to deal with Abraham's feelings. It addresses that Isaac is more to Abraham than the, that, that anything. And not just Abraham, but Sarah. I wonder if you were Abraham, what you would feel. You know, sometimes we read a passage as if Abraham was so holy that he had no feeling. He just heard God and went and did what God told him to do. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm sure this matter distressed Abraham a lot. I also wonder where Sarah was when God spoke to Abraham about taking Isaac to Moriah. Have you ever thought about this when you're reading a passage? And the other thing that I have wondered is, what did Abraham tell Sarah that night before the morning he had to take Isaac? Do you think he would have told Sarah? No way. You know, there are times God lays a burden on our heart. A burden that is ours alone. A burden that often is impossible to share. It's a burden that sometimes we must carry and carry alone and we cannot even share with our closest partner. Yes, I believe that, you know, when we are married, we become one with our wives, we become one with our spouses, with our husbands, but there comes a time that God lays a burden on our house that we alone must carry that burden. And that is what was happening right here. Abraham could not disclose this huge burden that God has laid on his heart to take Isaac to sacrifice. You know, there have been so many times when the church is giving, or like they did last week at Grace, and many times in the past, you know, so my wife works, I'm glad she's not here today, so I can say that, right? Don't tell her when you see her next time. <laughs> and sometimes she will ask me, so, so what are you going to give? And then I will say, this is what I'm thinking. And in the past, she will say, oh, ho, oh, ho, oh, ho. Are you the only person that must give so much? So there has been times that when she asked me, so now, this year, what are you going to give? I'm always tempted not to disclose the full amount, right? Because many times, 
you and you alone knows what God has done for you. Sometimes you and you alone know how grateful your heart is towards God. That everybody must give and everybody must give what they want to give in their tithes or offering or this special fundraising. And there are times that we compare, but when we look deep down, we know where God took us from and what he has done for us. I have been astonished so many times, you know, you know when I come to church and people are praising, especially, and, and, and there are some kids, especially grace, you know, they are lying on the floor and they are Praising God, some are crying. I look at them and I said, what, God, what has God done for these guys that he's not giving more to me? And sometimes the way people respond to how they feel God has done to them sends such a memory to me about where God took me from and what he has done for me. But one of the critical response Abraham had to really make when he heard from God was to see whether he loves Isaac more than God. Or whether all this whether he has believed God that this time to when the biggest, biggest demand has been placed on him whether he was still going to show that he loved God more than he loved Isaac. And we face that challenge all the time, don't we? We all have something that we love so dearly. It could be our wives. It could be our jobs. It could be our children. It could be our cars. It could be our house. It could be something that we cherish. When we see it, we are so joyful and so the question is, if God places his hand on that very thing that you love the most and says, give it to me, what would your response be? So God tells Abraham to go to Moriah. We aren't certain about the location of the land of Moriah. The only other time that the name appears in the scripture uh, is Solomon is building a temple on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem in Second Chronicles 3 and 1. So the land of Moriah might be what will later be the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I don't want to comment further, but we are told that God told Abraham, go there and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. And Abraham set forth early in the morning, saddled his donkey, two of his take two of his men with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and, and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go yonder. We will worship and come back to you. Abraham calls the sacrifice of his son, the giving away of his son, Worship. You know, giving is worship. Worship, brothers and sisters, is, is finds expression in everything that we do and everything that we are. True giving, 
flows out of a heart that is grateful to God and in the heart of him. Our worship is stale and not complete until it affects every act of our lives. Every part of our lives. Until it affects our money, the one in our pockets, the one in our purses, and the one in our bank accounts. And we need to understand that. You know, it is so easy to come here and sing and pray and worship and, and all of that. And think that our money, well, we work for that, right? But we know as believers that everything that we have, last Sunday when I was speaking at Grace from the Chronicles, I was talking about how you've, you've heard the prayer of David after they had given so generously to the temple. And David opens up, you know, his eyes to heaven and, and, and prays and says, Lord, everything that we have given to you actually came from you in the first place. The height of Christian maturity when it comes to stewardship. So whatever we have, whatever we have been given is God's in the first place, isn't it? And when we truly worship, it affects everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we will ever have. Abraham calls sacrifice and Isaac worship. And the other thing that he did was, as we know, he told his servants to sit here. And I and Isaac will go and worship. And I'm sure you know why he probably did that, don't you? The servants, there is no way they would have asked, they would have allowed Abraham to slay his son, would they? Would they? they would have intervened. And Abraham has heard the calling of God, and he was determined to do what God has told him to do, and there can be no interferences. He will not hear the voices of friends, the voices of spouses, the voices of brothers and sisters. The, 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 the voices of counselors, everybody must stay obey whilst I do what God has laid on my heart. Stay here. And I and the boy will go up and worship and come back to you. And as they go along, we know the story. Isaac speaks up. Now, we are not told in Scripture how old Isaac was. Most Bible scholars think Abraham was in his teens. Uh, some think that he was a little bit younger. But Abraham, uh, Isaac was understood, and, and he had to be a little bit older to understand what sacrifices were about. So he asked his father, Father Abraham, here is the wood. We have everything. I mean, I am a bit perplexed here, Father Abraham. Where is the lamp for the offering? What do you think Abraham might have felt? Now, did Abraham know who the offering was? It was Isaac. 
But Abraham spoke, and I'm sure he spoke with great sadness in his heart. God will provide. Isaac, I'm sure, and we don't know whether it is, it is all reported to us, those wrote the scriptures. He probably would have said something like, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure, even though he was sure. I'm really not sure, but, but I know this God whom I have, he would provide. Abraham, Isaac didn't say anything. And they went further. But once again, it, it, it really astonishes me. And how Abraham must have been feeling, I'm sure inside he was just weeping. And then they get there. And the scripture tells us that when they get there, Abraham does what is unthinkable. Even though he had said he was going to do, one time I spoke on this same you know, passage and the title I gave it was Unreasonable Demand, Uncompromising Obedience. Now this question of giving up Isaac as a burnt offering was certainly an unreasonable demand. And, and it's one that has perplexed Bible scholars for so many years. Because there is nowhere in scripture where God has asked for a human sacrifice before. And this was the first time God is asking Abraham as a test of faith not to sacrifice just his son, but his only son. And not just his only son, but one whom he loved. And made sure that it was clear that he was not referring to Ishmael, Isaac, the heir of the promise. Now, when you come to that place, I mean, I was wondering, you know, in the Old Testament, angels were very interested in what God's dealings with men were. And this is one passage that I wonder what the angels were doing. You know, and I'm sure they had, oh, Gabriel and Michael, and I'm sure, and, and the host of angels were probably, you know, had gone and, 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 and looking around and, and looking intently at Moriah. And they were asking, we've seen Abraham respond and always obey God. Let's see what he does this time. And I'm sure all of them, you know, were doing this and seeing, would he respond? And what would his response be this time? But the scripture says, Abraham bound his son after he had laid the wood. And he lifts his hand with a knife that had been with him all along. 
And the scripture says Abraham is about to slay his son. And you think that teenager was just, you know, lying there? I'm sure he was just speaking back to his father. Father Abraham, I thought you always said that you loved me. The message that I was heard from you and my mother was that you loved me. You loved me to death. I thought you said that I was the heir to the promise. And that you would do everything for me. Father Abraham, are you about, I am the lamb. Are you about to let me go? And I'm sure Abraham was shivering. And was sweating. Even as he determined to do what God has placed on his heart to do. And that sent shock waves to heaven. And the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, stop what you're about to do. God got goosebumps. It's God who said, Abraham, go and do it. But I think God was shocked. Would a man go to that extent? Would a man love me so much? Would a man trust me so much? that he'll be willing to give me all that he has. Brothers and sisters, this is the same God that we are worshiping today. He's the one that we come to every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time that we gather here in his presence. And he's the same one that through the church, We have been given two, whether it's in our offering and in our thanksgiving, or whether the special fundraising that we've been working on. And the question that I have for you this morning, I have for me this morning, where is your faith? How strong is your faith? Where? Do you stand when it comes to meeting God, when it comes to giving and giving your all and giving whatever he's laid on your heart? I'm sure when the year starts and all of us, you know, we make promises, you know, this year I'm going to do better in my giving. This year I'm going to, you know, make sure I give in proportion to exactly, you know, what I earn, you know, based on what God has told us in Scripture, the tenth of what I earn. And when the projection was put, I'm sure some of us, God laid on our heart that you can give 10%, you know, of this. You can give 1% of this. You can give further than what you have given. We know what we do. We push it down, don't we? So Abraham stops and lo and behold, he finds a ram in the thicket and he picks him up and he sacrifices him instead of Isaac. Abraham did say God will provide, didn't he? He didn't know what he knew was his son. But God comes through, hallelujah. God comes through all the time when we give him our best. That any time we decide that we are going to give what he has laid in our heart to give, God will not disappoint us, would he? And I'm sure all of us, 
if we were to be true to what God has done for us, we'll have testimonies upon testimonies about what God has done for us. And why we cannot withhold anything from him, even our best. And then, after the sacrifice had happened, the scripture tells us God comes back and said, Abraham, Abraham, because you have done this, because you have sacrificed your son or were willing to sacrifice your son, Isaac, whom you love, I swear, Abraham, you know, God tells us not to swear that, doesn't he? But God decides to break his own bond and says, because of what you have done, I am willing to do what I've told you never to do, Abraham. I will swear that I will bless you and blessings will be your blessings. God is willing and prepared to go all out to make sure the blessing he zaps on us is far more than we can take in if we are willing to let go what we are holding on to. This morning, I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge you. What is your giving like? You know, at the end of the year, we taste talk of our lives, don't we? I have always said, I'm always marveled when on 31st December, believers across this country gather and they come in their numbers, even those that don't attend church, come to church on 31st December, somehow they think for once they have something to thank God for. And many times what I have heard, you know, people pray and what I've, you know, seen people do is to thank God for what? For having just seen them through one year. And you hear the content of their prayer is always about you know, we started a year with some people and God took them away, but here we are, we are alive. And many times, you know, those that are dead, you know, are speaking in their graves, God, you didn't laugh us that much. But I wonder, when God grants us a full year and we're about to see another year, I wonder what God wants the content of our prayers to be. I wonder whether it should just be that we've lived for one year or what God wants us to, you know, pray a prayer like, thank God, oh God, that my life has been so fruitful, that my life has been productive, that my church has seen my value, my country has seen my value. Oh God, I thank you that you have seen me through, you've given me one year and that another year is about to see me through. That I'm about to see another year. What will be the content of your prayer? On December 31st, when the church gathers here, would it be because you have lived through 2023 and you're about to see 2024 unlike others? 
Or would it be that God look at me and what you have done through my life? Thank you for the opportunity you gave me to make a difference in my world, in my church. Thank you, oh God, that I was faithful when it came to giving in my offering and my tithes. Thank you, oh God, that I live to make a contribution to the church fundraising. Lord, I thank you that my life, oh God, has been productive. I thank you that you are giving me another year. I know that year too. I'm ready to pour my heart out to you. That is the reason why, Lord, I am thankful. Not because I'm living, but because my life is making an impact wherever you have placed me. Brothers and sisters, as I bring my message to a close, I ask you and I ask myself, what is our response to God this morning? What is God speaking to you about from the story of Abraham? What would be your giving pattern as we enter into 2024? If God grants you 2024, what would a church record look like when we look at the tithes and offering and your contribution towards the church fundraising. Last Sunday, and it's been a tradition at Grace Baptist Church. It's always amazing. The people come to the church on the Thanksgiving day, and it's like Christmas. People have dressed up. They have decided, they decided a long time ago, this is the day to give to God, and I have come, and I'm prepared. And they're dancing, and everybody stays. When the giving is done, they can wait for 30 minutes, waiting sometimes for 45 minutes for the church to count the money, for them to come and announce it, because people want to see how their giving has gone. Eagerly, eagerly giving to God, and expecting that God's name is honored. I know we do it here traditionally. We have a different tradition, which is great. But whether our giving is in tithes and offering and occasional thanksgiving, or whether ours is like Grace Baptist Church at one time giving, of course, people give their tithes and offering every Sunday too, and that sometimes they have fundraising in between. Whatever our giving pattern is and our giving format is, the call today, this morning, what is your response to God? If God had come to you the way he came to Abraham, would you have responded? And what is it that God is laying on your heart? What is it that you're holding on to? That God may be asking you today to let go so that the church offerings will be enhanced, so that the church tithes will be enhanced, so that the annual Fundraising that we are completing. We are, the last time I was here, we were like halfway through, right? We are nowhere near our target. My prayer is that today God has spoken to somebody. God has spoken to me and that God has spoken to all of us that somehow there will be a repentance in our hearts knowing what God has given to us that will be willing to let it go because we know. Now you know what? The reason why Abraham was willing to let go Isaac that was the reason. 
he understood God. That even though he had to wait so long, some of us, we had to wait so long to get to where we are. We had to wait so hard to get to where we are, but we know it was through God's blessings, isn't it? Abraham did and was willing to do what he did because he knew the God who called him from Aaron was able to do more than he could imagine. God knows somehow, God knew, Abraham knew somehow how Isaac would be replaced. And Isaac was replaced. Hallelujah. Isaac was replaced in a manner that was astonishing, that sent shock waves to heaven, that angels were baffled, that a man can believe and trust God that much. Can I ask you to stand up with me and pray and ask God to speak to our hearts? I wonder what is it that you want to tell God whilst you are standing in response to Abraham's gesture of faith? Can you say something to God? Can you ask him to increase your faith? and enhance the way you give unto him. To lift you up to that point where your faith is so strong that nothing stands in between what you can give to God because you trust him. Father, I thank you for the story of Abraham and the faith that is so powerfully displayed. We thank you, Lord, for his life example. And we thank you, Father, that Abraham displayed something that we have known you to have done. And that at the foundation of the world, you chose Jesus Christ, our Lord, to be a sacrificial lamb. And when the time was ripe, God, you so love the world that you gave your one and only son to us. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life. Thank you for Abraham who exemplifies what you did on the cross for us. And we pray, oh God, that our hearts would have been moved and that our faith would have been increased and that our giving would have reached a total different level from today. May you grant us the faith of Abraham and grant us the grace to do what you've called all of us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.